Shalom, and welcome to part two of our teaching on speaking in tongues. My name is P.D. van der Westhuizen, and I hope that part one has blessed you. Please note that this teaching is designed to be watched after part one of speaking in tongues. So if you haven't watched part one yet, please go watch that one first, since the topics we will be discussing in this video are going to be building upon what we have already established in part one through scripture. In part one of the series, we talked about the three goals of the gift of tongues, common misunderstandings, the correct practice and procedures of the gift in both corporate and private environments, as well as the practical aspects of the gift of tongues, that is how it is to be exercised. In this video, part two, we will be discussing more detail. We will be talking about the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the sign? Is it exclusively the gift of tongues or is it something else? Number two, the counterfeit or demonic tongues. How are we to respond to this phenomena? How do we identify it? And number three, for who is the gift of tongues? Is the gift for everyone a select few? And if it is for us, how do we receive it if we desire to walk in it? This is not all we will discuss. We will also discuss other things surrounding these topics. And I hope by the end of this video, you'll be able to have a big grasp on this topic, a graph that is not just theological, but as we discussed in part one, a practical grasp so that you would be not only be able to understand it theologically, but how to practically walk it out in this world that so desperately needs this, these spiritual gifts that the father has entrusted to us. Because as we discussed, God asks of us to use spiritual giftings in order to love, in order to love God and our neighbor. This is what the spiritual giftings were given for. And that is why Paul's chapter of 1 Corinthians 14 is right after 1 Corinthians 13, also known as the love chapter. Because if we want to know how to love at our utmost effectiveness, we need to understand how to walk in spiritual giftings. And for many of us, it will start with the gift of tongues. So let's jump right in. To start off, we'd like to discuss what is the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many believe and have taught that if you don't speak in tongues, you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. For speaking in tongues is the sign of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is this true? To answer this question, we first need to answer a different question. And that is, is the gift of tongues for everyone? Because if the gift of tongues is not for everyone to walk in, then we, the baptism of the Holy Spirit would not be the gift of tongues, right? Because if it is the gift of tongues, but not everyone can speak in the gift of tongues, then 
it wouldn't make sense because not everyone would then be able to manifest that evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, is speaking in tongues for everyone? We read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, the following. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Or do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? In this passage, Paul is listing various primary offices and primary giftings of individuals. And he asked the question, are all prophets? Are all apostles? Are all teachers? Do all have the gift of healing or the gift of tongues? Well, of course not. When we think about the gift of being a teacher, and James read that not all should become teachers because they will be judged more strictly. And so, for example, all are not supposed to be teachers. But with that being said, does that mean that none of us can ever teach? Does that mean that we can never teach our children when they need to be growing up and learning things that go with growing up? Or when we are not gifted in playing a certain sport like rugby or American football or baseball? Does that mean that we can never play any of those sports and that we are unable to do so? Does it mean that when a government official hands us a form which we need to fill out, we tell them, sorry, I don't have the gift of writing. I can't write. Of course not. We can write because we learn how to write. Even if we may not be gifted in writing many books, we can write and fill out the basic 101s because it's part of our skill sets. And we do it as it is then necessary if we are not gifted in it. And that is the same thing here. We are not all teachers. We are not all prophets. We are not all apostles. We don't all speak in tongues and we do not all um, pray for healing. And the list goes on. And that is good to understand and important to understand that we are all like different parts of this body of Christ and we all have different roles, different primary roles. However, when there is a situation where we need to step up because there is no one else who can do it. For example, if there is someone who has come into our presence who is absolutely sick, are we going to stand back and say, sorry, I can't pray because I don't have the gift of healing? No, that would be unbiblical because the scriptures say that believers will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Not those who have the gift of healing exclusively. You know, when there is someone who needs to hear the teaching of our father, who needs to hear the truth, are we going to stand back and say, sorry, I need to get my pastor. I need to get a teacher. Please come back tomorrow. I can't tell you anything because I'm not a teacher. No, of course not. 
that would be unbiblical because we are all called to make disciples. We are called to go into the world and proclaim the gospel. That is different from having the primary role of being a teacher as in entering that office and that position. But it means that we can teach as necessary. It is important to make this distinction because so oftentimes we have thought of the gifts of or the spiritual giftings or the offices as being very exclusive, like an exclusive club that if we don't belong to it, we can't do any of those things, which is not true. God calls us to be his hands and feet. After all, at the end of the day, it is not us who do any of it. It is not us who perform well in being a prophet, a teacher or an apostle or us who perform well in doing miracles, gifts of healing, speaking in tongues, administration or whichever other gift or office. It is the Holy Spirit of God who does it all in and through us. That means that it is not dependent on us, on how the the results go as much as it is about how he lives in us and does it in and through us. That means that we can, as necessary, step out of our comfort zone and do things as it is necessary. And so as God has created us as individuals, very different from one another with different talents, callings, etc. We can't assume that everyone must have a primary gifting of speaking in tongues or that everyone must speak in tongues. I do encourage you to not push that away because and say that's not my gift because that is would be like burying something the father may be desiring to give to you. However, we have balance and we also understand that not everyone will do everything because then we wouldn't need each other. And so speaking in tongues cannot be the only sign that we can go on for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to have taken place. Yes, in scripture, there are more than one account of when the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place, that there was speaking in tongues occurring. But speaking tongues wasn't the only sign that occurred. Let's go to the example of Jesus. For Jesus example, we can read the following. In Matthew 3 verse 16, we read, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So we all know the story of how he was baptized and the Holy Spirit as a dove came to rest on him. What happened thereafter? After that, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and returning from the wilderness, we read the following. He says in Luke 4 verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. Because after he came back from that wilderness, after being baptized, he came in the power of the spirit. That is to say that miracles started following his life and he started walking in his spiritual giftings. One of the primary spiritual giftings of our Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, was the gift of healing or the gift of miracles, amongst others. And so we see that 
Speaking in tongues was not his sign of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Rather, his sign was that he returned in the power of the Spirit. And for him specifically, that was all the healings we see he did. And so in this case, we see that healing was the sign. The, the, the spiritual gift of healing was the sign for him that he was indeed baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at another example. In Acts 19, verse 5, we read the following. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Also read in Acts 2, verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we also see in the book of Acts and these examples that we just read that prophesying and speaking in tongues were also signs that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has taken place. And so, so far we have how Jesus was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of healing and all kinds of miracles. We have people prophesying. We have people praying in tongues. So as you can see, there are various different kinds of signs that scripture really references. And really, it comes down to this, that there is a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on a believer's life. After you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, or that is to say, immersed in the Holy Spirit, there must be a sign. There must be a change. And if there is not a sign or change, then there is a lack of evidence of it occurring. So what is that sign? It is simply the manifestation of spiritual giftings. And that spiritual gifting can be any of the spiritual gifts that Paul has referenced in his word for us including uh, the gift of interpreting tongues, speaking in tongues, the gift of miracles, gift of healing, prophecy, words of knowledge, etc. You can read all about them in Paul's letters. These gifts are necessary to be manifesting in a person's life after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, because that is the sign. There is not one single scriptural reference where we see people being baptized in the Holy Spirit and there was no spiritual gifting that manifested in their life, either in that very moment or very soon thereafter. And so that is the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the manifestation of spiritual giftings. On top of that, another sign that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has taken place is boldness. And I can even testify in my own life that I had an increase of boldness supernaturally brought on by the Holy Spirit after I was immersed in the Holy Spirit. I remember waking up one day after being immersed in him and seeing the world differently, like the colors of the world even looked different. And I knew nothing would be the same ever again. And that day was everything was indeed different. I was able to walk in more boldness. I was able to step out more. I didn't care as much about what people thought of me, etc. It doesn't mean I never had any struggles or I was never uh, I had never fear again or anything like that. Of course, we will have fear again, but rather I had an increase of boldness and I even though I wasn't perfect, 
I felt more empowered by his spirit to walk as he called me to walk. Consider this very practical example and testimony. A few months ago, I went to travel to North Carolina to speak at a conference I was invited to. And at that point, I had the privilege of at the end of my sermon, praying for people to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Just like Paul laid his hands on his followers and disciples, and they were imparted the Holy Spirit or baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. So just like Paul did it, I did the same. And on that day, um, I remember praying for a specific man. And then the next day we went out onto the streets of Asheville, a city in North Carolina. As we went out on the streets of Asheville and prayed for people, ministered to the lost, we came back and the same man that I prayed over the previous day testified. And this is what he testified. So after uh, PD's uh, message yesterday, um, something hit me. Not only uh, did, uh, did his message really just like, uh, there was a spark that just came inside me. But when, you know, when we were praying and, and the Holy Spirit hit me, I do believe something. I received something. And I've prayed for a healing over people many times here and there, downtown, homeless people. I've never seen healing. Right. And uh, so we went today and uh, there was this little square in the, the middle of Asheville. I don't know what it's called. And there was this group of homeless people sitting on some stairs and they started waving at me and my wife. And uh, we're like, uh, hey, yeah. And so we're like, let's go talk to them. And so we went to talk to them. We just started. They were just open to conversation, started talking about all kinds of stuff. And we're just loving on them, just trying to get to know them a little bit. And as we were talking to him, I was like, in my mind, I was trying to figure out, all right, Lord, who, who are you, you trying to get here? Okay, there's like t- maybe like six, eight of them, something like that. I was like, who are you trying to get here in this group? And uh, the Holy Spirit came over me and said, this guy's back. What happened was I said, okay, I was like, hey, man, um, is your back or your legs, are they hurting? Like, do, can I pray for them? And I threw in legs there just to be, you know, I didn't want to freak him out or freak myself out. And so um, he's like, yeah, my back, man, it's been hurting for a while. Uh, I said, so can I pray for you? He's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. I said, right now, can I lay my hands on your back and pray for you? He said, sure. And so I just, once again, simple prayer, first time in the, in the name of Yeshua, the, the authority of Yeshua, I command you to be healed. And he starts Oh, man. Oh, wow. I was like, are you lying to me? Like, <laughs> I did that. I was, like, confused there for a second. But he, I said, will you get up and start, like, kind of using it and trying to see if you really, if we need to pray some more? He's like, no. That's awesome. That's so good. Like, I, this hasn't felt this good in a long time. I was like, awesome. I said, do you know who that is? I said, that wasn't me. That was Jesus. He loves you. Right. And he started tearing up and I felt the Holy Spirit all all in it. It was good. And so as you can see, his life now has evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that has taken place. He was able to lay his hands on the sick and see them recover. In his case, the sign of his baptism of the Holy Spirit was the gift of healing for someone else. It may be the gift of tongues or interpretation of tongues or whichever other spiritual gifting 
as Paul lists in his word. For him, it was the gift of healing. And that is enough. Therefore, the spiritual giftings are the signs of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That being all said, it is important for me to address something regarding tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many people, I believe, do actually receive the gift of tongues as their sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Actually, it happens very frequently. However, because of bad theology or misconceptions, misunderstandings or confusions that we may have regarding the gift of tongues, we oftentimes suppress the gift and we don't allow it to manifest through the Holy Spirit in our life. Consider this in Acts 2, when they went, were in the upper room and the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place on the men there and they started speaking in tongues. That was the very first time in history that speaking in tongues manifested into this world. Therefore, there was no bad theology or confusion or any perception or conception that these men had about the gift of tongues yet, because it has never happened yet. No one had any concept of it yet. And so there was no room for any blockages in their mind and their carnal mind towards this gift yet. And so that's why we see so many so radically, so outspokenly bubbling up and speaking in the gift of tongues as soon as they were immersed in the spirit. And that's amazing. But it also talks about how we need to deal with our baggage. Just after in Acts 2, they prayed in the gift of tongues. The men, some other men at least, in the back of the room said, these men are drunk. In Acts 2 verse 12, we read, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, What means this? Others mockingly said, These men are full of new wine. And of course, right after these men said that these people who are speaking in tongues are drunk, Peter rose up and said, No, these men are not drunk. And he brought correction. However, this is speaking to something great. When the first time they ever spoke in tongues, we see people criticizing the gift. Now we can understand why 2000 years later, that criticism and confusion and controversy has only grown more and more strongly. And I want to submit to you, it is because of the enemy's attack on this gift. Those men who said that these who were speaking in tongues were drunk were speaking from Hasatan. They were speaking of their from their flesh. They were not speaking from the Holy Spirit. And I want to submit to you that the very first time that we oftentimes hear someone else speaking in tongues or we ourselves even speak in tongues, we will immediately find the enemy coming to say one of two things. Either number one, that what we are doing is demonic, that it is um, not of God, that you are inviting demons in or something of that sort. Or number two, that you are simply making the words up and that it is of your flesh and that it means nothing. You're wasting your time and you look foolish. So these two lies are almost is a guarantee for everyone who practices or hears the gift of tongues at some point. They will hear these lies come. The question will just be what you will do with it. 
And so on that first lie that said you are only making words up, it's of your own mind, it's not real. This is to be expected. As we mentioned in part one of this teaching, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. And the gift of tongues is also something that Paul says bypasses his mind. He says his mind is unfruitful when he prays in tongues because his spirit prays. That means that the mind is outside the picture. The mind does not speak and the mind can also not understand the gift of tongues. And so when we talk about speaking in tongues, when the mind hears it, the mind is going to be uncomfortable. The flesh and carnal mind is not going to like it. And it will often say, I don't understand this. It is foolish. It, it, it doesn't have any meaning. It's just babble. It's just nothing. It's just the same thing over and over it, whatever. Our minds will say things about this gift because our minds can't understand it because it's not for our minds to understand. We pray by our spirit and we interpret by our spirit, not through our minds. And so that is why it is important to understand that the mind will naturally rebel against this gift. So expect it. And when it happens, don't be surprised and don't fall for it. Don't stop praying in tongues because you feel like you're making words up. If you are praying in a different tongue and you are exercising it, you are praying in tongues because praying in tongues is an act of faith. It's more about faith than anything else. It's about stepping out, opening up our mouths and speaking in faith and letting the spirit speak through us. And it is not about the words we say. It's not about how they sound. It's not about their format or how we pronounce any of that. It is not about that. It is not any about even what comes out of our mouths audibly for our ears to hear. Because what comes out of our mouths is simply the physical manifestation of what is happening in the spiritual realm. And that what is happening in the spiritual realm, while it manifests in the physical, the physical manifestation does not show us what is actually happening in the spiritual to the fullest extent. We, we can't understand it in that way. When, what happens in the spiritual realm is often spiritual warfare. What happens is that there is a link to God and we pray to God. What happens is the father speaks back to us, gives us dreams, revelations, visions. We receive it's like a channel to the father. And what happens in the physical realm in between all this is simply noise. And it is not it doesn't matter and it should not persuade us in any way or form. What happens in the spirit is more important. Romans 8 verse 7, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. This is why Yeshua had to fast in the wilderness after his baptism of the Holy Spirit and in water. It was to get his flesh, his carnal mind out of the way so that his spiritual giftings could manifest more powerfully because not just speaking in tongues is um, uncomfortable to our flesh and carnal mind, but all other spiritual gifts, including the gift of healing. And so that is why we need to have a lifestyle of fasting. We need to be fasting at least once every single week. 
And if we do not do that, we should not be expecting to grow in spiritual giftings and in more authority. And this is why those who do not fast on any regular basis, they often do not understand spiritual giftings and even the gift of tongues. And so if you want to understand and operate in spiritual giftings, which you were called to do, you need to start fasting. The Pharisees even fasted twice a week. We should also fast. Matthew 17, verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes out not but by prayer and fasting. When the disciples were unable to cast out the demon and they asked Jesus why, he said it's because of their unbelief. And the, re, the, the way that you will get rid of your unbelief is by prayer and fasting. So therefore, if we want to grow in spiritual giftings and authority, we need to pray and fast. The second lie that the enemy often uses with the gift of tongues when we encounter it or speak in it ourselves is that we are speaking in a demonic tongue. Now, first off, we need to understand that, yes, there is a counterfeit of every spiritual gifting of God. The enemy, Satan, has tried to twist everything that God has meant for good into something for the kingdom of darkness. And yes, speaking in tongues is no exception. There are people who are in witchcraft, who are in Satanism or in the New Age or other religions of the world who also has um, exercisings of speaking in tongues. This, however, should not impact our perception of the original. The main objective of Satan with the counterfeit of God's spiritual gifts is not to get us with the counterfeit in terms of hurting us um, directly by that gift. But rather, it is an indirect plan. What I mean by that is this. The goal of the counterfeit spiritual giftings is to cause hurt and confusion with regards to the original. And the enemy desires for us to have a invalid perception, a wrong perception of the original spiritual giftings of God, for they are beautiful, righteous, holy, pure and necessary in the life of every believer for them to reach their callings. And so what he tries to do is he copycats those and he twists them into something that they're not. And those giftings are wrong and they hurt people and they cause confusion. And then what happens is we see those horrible twistings and then we don't want anything to do with the actual true gift that God has is wanting us to walk out. And that is the moment that Satan has has gotten what he wanted. He wants us to leave and abandon the original. He wants us to change our perception on the original. But think about this for a second. If you were to go to China, the counterfeit country, as we all know, where many things are made as copycats of originals, 
right? We have products like let's just say, just say for example, a certain shoe, right? If you have a certain shoe and it is an American brand, it is a very high quality shoe like Nike or whatever else. And you go rather to China and you buy a knockoff version, a counterfeit of a Nike shoe. It looks the same. It feels the same. It's very much similar. But and you to put the shoe on and you walk with it for a month and suddenly it falls apart and it breaks. And are you going to go and say, wow, the original American made Nike shoe, that is a horrible shoe. No, right? You you are going to say I had a counterfeit knockoff false version of the original and that knockoff version is bad. It's bad quality. But if you didn't know that you had a knockoff version, if you thought you had the original and it fell apart, then you would blame the original. You would even blame the makers of the original. You would blame the American company Nike, even though they weren't the ones who even made that shoe, even though the knockoff version just borrowed their branding. That's why the, these companies, the original companies don't like counterfeits because it destroys their brand image, right? And similarly, that's what Satan is trying to do. He's trying to destroy the brand image of you. He's trying to destroy the image of God. He's trying to destroy how we perceive God, our perception of him, his spiritual giftings so that we don't want it so that we put, toss it aside. And that is how he wins. So therefore, we need to be careful not to base our experience or perception on any spiritual gifting, including the gift of tongues, based off what the counterfeit is doing. Who cares what Satan has done? Who cares that the New Age or witches or anyone else who is not of God speaks in tongues? They are simply trying to persuade you from, from not to not speak in tongues either. If today I prayed for healing for someone in the name of Jesus Christ or Yeshua, the Messiah, as his name is known in Hebrew, and they got healed. And the next day I bump into a witch who also prays for healing. Well, I then go back and conclude that me praying for healing was witchcraft. No, of course not. That would be crazy, right? Because I know which kingdom I was serving. I know from what authority I was working. The kingdom of light and the authority of Jesus. I was not walking in the kingdom of darkness or for the kingdom of darkness. I was not trying to, to fulfill objectives for the kingdom of darkness. I was working for the kingdom of light. And similarly, it's the same with the gift of tongues. It doesn't have to be any different. If we pray in the gift of tongues and I know in my heart, I am praying to God, Lord Jesus, Yeshua, I pray to you and you start praying in tongues to him or do you Go in church and you pray in tongues and you're all unto the Father. Your, your heart is for him. Your heart is for his kingdom of light. Don't worry about the kingdom of darkness. Don't worry about whether you're praying to that kingdom because you will not be praying to it. You are praying to who your head is, is towards. If your head is towards the Father, you're praying towards the Father. Is your, if your head is towards the enemy and his kingdom and trying to do things for him. Yes then you are worshiping him, but you aren't if you're a believer, a Christian, and you're simply trying to please your father. And that is the end of that topic. We don't need to question further than that, whether we are speaking in some demonic language or not. 
The enemy is lying in this situation so many times. He's always trying to make us to deceive us to think that we are worshiping him when we're really not. God knows our heart. He knows who we are praying to because we know who we are praying to. Right. And it is when our spirit prays, we are our mind is on the father. Our mind is on his things, his deeds, his kingdom. Therefore, we are not worshiping any other kingdom. So to test whether it is of God, we can simply see if you're using the gift to draw yourself or others closer to God, then it is of God. If it draws yourself or others away from God, it is not of his kingdom. If you use the gift of tongues to pray to God for your edification or for the edification of others, it is of God. Secondly, we can ask the question of what fruit is it producing? If it produces good fruit, it is of God. If it produces bad fruit, it is not. In Galatians 5 verse 22, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Therefore, if we find that the fruits of the Spirit is not being produced, especially one such as self-control, then we can take another look at whether this is really from the Spirit of God or not. The Spirit of God will always produce these beautifully good fruits and love will always be present. And so now we would like to discuss how we know that we are supposed to be walking in the gift of tongues and ultimately how do we start walking in it if the Father has permitted us to walk in it. So first off, the way we know that we are called to operate in any spiritual gifting is simply about whether we have a desire for it, a desire that is pure. That is, if we desire to speak in tongues or have the gift of healing or 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 interpret tongues or whichever, that desire is from the father most often. Because the flesh and the carnal mind, as we discussed, does not desire spiritual giftings. It does not like it. In fact, it actually hates it. It doesn't like doing it. And so usually when we desire something, it is the Father, the Holy Spirit that has placed that desire in our heart. Except for under one condition. And that is if we desire a spiritual gifting for self-exaltation. If the reason that I desire speaking in tongues or the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy or the gift of interpretation or the gift of uh, words of knowledge or whichever gift. And I am doing it because I want to be more important. I want to be exalted. I want to get something out of it. Uh, then that motive is wrong. And that's really the only question you need to be asking yourself when you're evaluating your desires is why do I desire what I desire? Is it to simply worship God and his kingdom? Or is it because I want to worship myself and build my own kingdom? And after you've answered that question and you have a desire for any gift for God's kingdom, 
you can be sure that that desire is from the Father and it's not of your flesh because the flesh does not desire things. It is of the Holy Spirit if we desire a spiritual gifting. So if you've been pricked by the Holy Spirit in this teaching that this gift of tongues is something that you desire to walk in, then uh, I encourage you very highly and I'm recommending to you to seek this thing out with everything that you have. Jesus told the very famous phrase to us about knocking and you'll receive. But did you know that that's really only the tip of the iceberg of that story? He actually talked about something much deeper. He told the story of a man who was expecting a very special guest at his house. And as the night grew closer for this guest to arrive, the man was preparing his house for dinner. And as he was preparing for dinner, he realized that there is no bread in his home. He runs up to his wife and he says, "Uh, we don't have any bread. What are we going to do? We have this important royal guest that's coming. And what are we going to do? And she says, why don't you go ask the neighbor for some bread to borrow some bread from him? And surely enough, the man runs to his neighbor's door. He knocks on the door and he asks, neighbor, neighbor, can you please open? I need some bread. And there is no answer. And he knocks again. He says, neighbor, neighbor, please, I need some bread. And there's no answer. And he knocks again. He says, neighbor, neighbor, please open the door. I need I I just want to borrow some bread. I want to give it back. I just I have a very special guest coming. And Jesus said this. He said that if that neighbor does not roll out of his bed and run down the stairs and open up the door to give him bread because he loves his neighbor, he loves his brother or and he is his friend. He will do so because of the man who knocks his persistence in knocking. And then he continues to say, knock and the door will be opened. You have a guest coming to your home, the father, and he is looking for the bread. He is looking to see, do you have what he desires for you to have? Because ultimately, if we bury our talents because of fear, we will not hear a good word and a good report from him on that great day. judgment. Rather, we need to invest what he has given us, the talents, instead of bearing it because of fear. And so that means that we knock at our neighbor's door. We knock with persistence and then that door will be opened. Luke 11 verse 13 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God gives eagerly to those who eagerly desire His gifts. God gives gives His holy gifts. He doesn't withhold it. He He wants you to have it more than you want to have it. And really, we need to persistently seek it out and ask Him for it. But they not only ask, 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 but never use the gifts. 
I remember in my case of the gift of tongues that I was that one knocking on the father's door, asking him, Father, please, I desire this. I don't understand this. I don't know what it looks like. I had a total lack of knowledge about it, much less from what I know today. But yet I truly knew in my heart that I wanted it because the Holy Spirit was drawing me to that. And then a few a little while later, I was in my room, door closed on my knees, praying to the father and the father. As I was praying, the father just came and, and whispered to my heart. You have the gift. Open your mouth and speak. Because see, up to that point, even though I have had the gift for a little while, I had never opened my mouth to speak. Just like if you had the gift of healing, you had the gift of prophecy, you had the gift of interpretation, you had this or that gift, but you never actually stepped out to pray for someone or stepped out to prophesy or stepped out to give a word of knowledge or anything like that then you would never exercise the gift, even though you may have it. And you may not even know you have it because you never stepped out. And so in that moment, though, I opened my mouth at my on my bedside and I just started speaking in faith. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what am I going to say? I just went in faith and I just started speaking. And as I just started speaking, the words just came and came and came in, in a language that I did not understand because my mind does not comprehend it. My mind was not even involved. In fact, I am able to think of other things while I speak in tongues because the mind is totally disconnected from what is spoken when we speak in tongues. And so that is the way it was. It was an amazing experience. And I remember speaking in tongues for about an hour straight right there. And it was an incredible experience. I just felt the Holy Spirit um, uh, overwhelm me. It was amazing. And, and the, that was really the beginning of my Holy Spirit journey, if you will, where the Father started growing me more and more in spiritual giftings, where the gift of healing um, and what had happened to me at Hatfield Square and other things like that, which is in my testimony happened. And it all started with the gift of speaking in tongues. And so that's why I am stressing this gift, because there are many of you who do have the gift and who God desires to walk in it. But you have tossed it aside because of lies you've been told, who's been told to you. And it's not your fault, but I want to show you the truth and I hope that this will give you freedom to step out and walk in it. I remember a little while after that, that I still had some doubts regarding the gift of tongues. I still had some doubts regarding whether it was for me. And it was this, those lies that were coming, those lies of, oh, it's demonic. Well, those lies that, oh, it's, um, you know, a I'm just making up the words, right? All these kinds of lies were coming to me, just like I mentioned, it would come. And as I were ha having these doubts, I actually stopped praying in tongues or I toned down on it a little bit for a little while. And soon thereafter, we uh, visited a church, my the ministry, and we went. To, I went to preach there. And then after that, we had baptisms. It was amazing. We had like 20, 30 people, uh, something along those lines coming forward to be baptized. It was an amazing event. And as these people were coming to be baptized, the first person came and as we baptized them and they came out of the water, suddenly they manifested a demon. And then the next one suddenly 
manifested a demon too. And after that, we cast out these demons and the next person we baptize also manifests a demon. And almost all the members here in this church were manifesting demons. It was quite incredible and it was it really caught me off guard. And I was in that moment there so tired and I was like, I didn't have any words left. Just like Paul said, when we don't have words to utter anymore, the spirit intercedes for us. That is what speaking in tongues is. And so in that moment, I didn't know what to do, but I just knew the Father and the Holy Spirit was just in me and just coming out of me. Like I, and I started speaking in tongues over these demons. And as soon as I start speaking in tongues over these demons, I can describe it similar to how you can imagine fire landing on these demons. And these people who had the demonic oppression just started convulsing more and more. And these demons were just coming out and coming out. And I was not speaking one word in English. I was not speaking one word in a language that anyone could understand. I was speaking in tongues. I was doing spiritual warfare in a heavenly language. That is the gift of tongues. And these demons were leaving every single one. Now, don't tell me the gift of tongues is not for today. Don't tell me the gift of tongues is only a foreign language that is for um, unbelievers. Those are that is one application for it. But in this case, it was spiritual warfare, a heavenly language, me praying to my father. And it was something that these demons certainly did not like. And I want to submit to you that that's why there's confusion. That's why there's controversy regarding this gift, because the demons and the, 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 the kingdom of darkness hates it when we walk in it because it grows us and it allows us to fight. It is like a weapon in our hand against the enemy. And after that event, after we saw about 20 to 30 people get delivered from these demons, every single one, I had no more doubts regarding the gift of speaking in tongues, of course. I was confident in that it was true, that there was power in it because I could see it right in front of my eyes and all who were there could see it. It was an amazing sight and all glory to the father. And so as of all things, balance is important. The gift of tongues is something that we can be overzealous about or even hurt about. We could have been hurt by a bad experience and therefore we toss it aside completely. Or we could be speaking in our in it ourselves and we could have beheld how powerful it is, just like the story I just told you now. And then we become overzealous and we start making up doctrines because of our passion, which are misplaced doctrines, doctrines such as the fact that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved or things like that, which is not true. So we need balance. We see that in movements where it is believed that everyone should speak in tongues, that we do see more people speaking in tongues. Why is this? It is simply the fact that the gift is taught more. It is sought more. And because more people desire it, more people simply receive it because the father asks of us to knock and you will receive. If we never knock, if we never ask, we will never receive. And that is why those people who have been hurt by it who don't want anything to do with it will never have anything to do with it. They will not see the gift manifest in their churches, their movements. They will not see the miracles of God. Just like if they don't believe in the gift of healing, they will not see the gift of healing manifest in their life ever. But I want to call you today to start seeking 
the things that the Father's placed in your heart. Don't let the enemy steal this from you because it will keep you back from reaching the full potential of reaching your calling. We read in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gift. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Paul tells us to pursue the spiritual gifts, especially the spiritual gifts that we can use to build others. He was saying this to the church of Corinthians because they were unbalanced. They simply wanted to have edification for themselves. They weren't focusing on gifts that edify others. Paul is not saying that gifts are higher than others, bar none, but rather that the gifts that are can be higher in edifying others is such as the gift of prophecy. And that was what is needed for them to understand. Today, I tell you that we need spiritual giftings everywhere. We need all spiritual giftings because there is a severe lack of spiritual giftings in the body. And we need to start urgently picking this up so that we can start walking in more power for his kingdom. If we want to prepare the way for the coming king, we need the spiritual giftings in our life. A good and faithful servant would use the talents and giftings that the father entrusted to that servant. And the gifting of this age, brothers and sisters, listen, this is important. The gifting of this age is the Holy Spirit and the gifts that comes with him. That is what the father, that is the talents that he has entrusted and left for us. That is the last thing he told us when he left. He said, go into the world, proclaim the gospel to every creature. It wouldn't be a big surprise if he came back with that same question. Did you go and preach the gospel to the whole creation? And the only way that you can effectively do that is by his spiritual giftings that help you to love yourself, your neighbor and the father. And so I'll leave you in conclusion with this. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And 1 Corinthians 14 verse 39. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Speak in tongues like Paul spoke in tongues. He certainly was someone who was powerfully walking in the spirit. Do not forbid speaking in tongues in your fellowships, but let everything be done decently and in order. I hope that this teaching has blessed you and encouraged you to practically pursue his beautiful spiritual giftings for your life. I would like to thank the partners of this ministry who have made this series possible this month. If this has blessed you, please consider sharing it or even partnering with the ministry to help us to continue making these videos. Blessings and Shalom from Rise on Fire.